0: Thank you for downloading this podcast from Jog. Hi, my name is Iris Giorgio. I'm Deputy Editor-in-Chief of BJOG, and I welcome you to this editorial. When the invitation came to write this December 2020 editorial, it reminded me of the one I wrote exactly a year ago, where I looked forward to 2020. At that time... I highlighted that while, as a community, we were falling behind in achieving the UN Sustainable Development Goals of reducing maternal and neonatal mortality, there were a lot of positive signs, and I expressed great optimism of what could be achieved. What I wasn't counting on was a coronavirus outbreak. At the end of that month, on the 31st of December 2019, the China office of the WHO was made aware of the first reports of a previously unknown virus behind a number of pneumonia cases in Wuhan. It's easy to forget just how rapidly the scenarios evolved and the actions taken. The virus spread quickly, and by the 21st of January, infections were confirmed in 15 healthcare workers in Wuhan, suggesting that human-to-human transmission was easier than first thought. In response to this, and to the rapidly rising cases, the Chinese government completely closed off Wuhan two days later, a city of over 11 million people. A week later, on the 28th of January, cases had reached 4,500 people, almost doubling over the previous two days, and there had been more than 100 deaths. There were also at least 37 confirmed cases outside China, although all were individuals exclusively from Wuhan. But on the very same day, the first reports of human-to-human transmissions outside China emerged. A German man acquired the infection from a colleague who had returned from China, a person in Vietnam from an infected family member, and a tour bus driver in Japan, likely infected by a tourist from Wuhan. Just two days later, on the 30th of January, the coronavirus outbreak was declared a public health emergency of international concern, which is defined by the WHO as an extraordinary event, which is determined to constitute a public health risk to other states through the international spread of disease and one that potentially requires a coordinated international response. It was named COVID-19 in February and spread rapidly in South Korea Iran, and Italy, but was not labelled as a pandemic by the WHO until 11th of March, under some pressure from governments and scientists. I, along with many of us, found some of the national responses a little bizarre. I don't know where the idea came from that a pathogen would respect national boundaries. How was it that countries could not coordinate better and learn from each other? There is little doubt that leadership figures in some countries have to take some responsibility for reacting too slowly, often due to some kind of pseudo-populist attitude, or in a vain attempt to mitigate economic effects, or even through outright denial of the health effects. It is partly for this reason that the pandemic is not advancing the same way in all countries. Some had strict lockdowns, tracking and tracing regimes, and are now slowly easing restrictions, all the time monitoring the situation. Others, including Brazil and the USA, lifted restrictions early or never implemented these nationally, and rates were rising fast. And as we struggle with the second wave around the world, it is clear that better governance everywhere may have led to improved control. In the end, no one knows if it would have prevented or even delayed the sad milestone of one million deaths at the end of September with close to 40 million infections worldwide at that time. From an early stage of the outbreak, pregnant women were considered to be at higher risk of the disease, partly based on the special immunological status associated with pregnancy, but also because of worrying data from previous coronavirus infections. The WHO estimated that 100 pregnant women were infected with SARS-CoV during the 2002-2003 outbreak, and they exhibited severe maternal illness and maternal deaths. Evidence of course continues to accumulate but data synthesis has been difficult as a lot of primary data comes from small case series often subject to selection bias. In the December issue of b we have an important contribution from Brazil, a country hit particularly hard in terms of both absolute numbers of deaths and also case fatality rates. In Brazil, Acute Respiratory Distress Syndrome, ARDS, is notifiable to the Ministry of Health through a surveillance system which was started in 2009 on the back of the H1N1 pandemic. The report identifies 978 women in pregnancy or the postpartum period who had ARDS and COVID-19 and whose survival status was known. The figures are rather sobering there were 124 maternal deaths reported. Please do not use these data to work out prevalence or case fatality rates because these can't be accurately calculated given the design of the study. This is because these deaths occurred in those with COVID-19 and respiratory disease severe enough to be reported and only in those women whose survival status was known. Nevertheless, the study contributes a great deal to our knowledge of this condition through assessment of clinical characteristics and risk factors. And this is also highlighted in the excellent associated mini-commentary by Blair Wiley. The excellent papers in our issue deal with the usual wide range of obstetric and gynecological conditions. I did want to highlight one other paper by Ashcroft and colleagues, who report important data on a very different multisystem disorder that causes respiratory disease, namely cystic fibrosis. In this national study, using another surveillance system, UCOS, the outcome of 71 pregnant women with a condition are described in great detail. The population-based approach is a great strength of this paper, and the sample is large, given the rarity of this condition. The data are reassuring, even for women with relatively poor baseline lung function, with successful pregnancy outcome in the large majority, albeit with increased risks of preterm birth, or a small for gestation-age baby. The effects of COVID-19 on health, directly but also indirectly via the impact on the economy, sadly continues and no one knows how and when this pandemic will end. Optimists have noted some positives too, a greater appreciation of global issues such as climate change, dramatic reductions in air pollution, and millions of commutes no longer taking place around the world including to meetings and conferences. Perhaps this has given researchers more time and we've certainly noted a large upswing in scientific submissions, not just those related to COVID-19. Alongside other scientific journals, we at Bijog have been able to adapt quickly to the new ways of working and allow access and wide rapid dissemination of evidence related to COVID. We will continue to play our small part not only in combating the pandemic, but also in ensuring that our advances in women's and reproductive health are shared and scientific progress maintained. I wish you a happy January and a good 2021. Thank you for listening to this podcast from BJOG. We have been reporting the best research in women's health since 1902. We are keen to hear your views. Tweet us at BJOG Tweets. You can find more podcasts at www.bjog.org.